how can we forgive when we're told to forgive someone well so long as we see that there's something to forgive it's not a true forgiveness forgiveness comes automatically and spontaneously as a consequence of seeing things in the light of a higher understanding and so that's what this episode is here to present uh how how can we see things differently how can we see humans differently how can we see that person that event ourselves whatever the forgiveness is of how can we see it differently so that forgiveness will be automatic that's really the question that will get us a lot further uh, than trying to make ourselves forgive because so long as we see that there's something to forgive we won't wait that's not a forgiveness forgiveness occurs automatically when we see that there isn't nothing to there isn't anything to forgive in other words we see that really that person or we or that situation but we're let's speak about people here that person couldn't help but be that way at that moment and so where can we start from here well i don't know <laughs> let's have a, let's have a look at where we'll go from here so if we see that there's something to forgive we see then a resentment and what is a resentment resentment is we think that person or we did something wrong or we acted in a way that we shouldn't have acted and okay so that that gives us a good working point what we're trying to see is really that there this should have is just a hypothetical it doesn't exist because under those circumstances under those conditions uh that choice arose and so how can we how can we see that if you look at people when they're angry you look at anger when anger arises it you know if you've noticed this it short circuits rationality and reason so if there's a sudden surge of anger and it's not surrendered to as it's arising there isn't a masterful surrender to it then it arises it overwhelms rationality and reason which means reason goes out the door rationality goes out the door i was just watching a show and so there was this uh it's called runaways a marvel show on disney plus for anyone interested <laughs> um and this girl you know i won't spoil the plot for anyone that's going to watch it but uh, there were her parents and they were doing something that she didn't want that she was really upset by and she uh, she actually has superpowers which isn't really a spoiler because that gets revealed like one episode in uh she's got like super strength and she was about she just told the dad she's like oh yeah i want to see you do it so she was very very angry and she had these super strength and you could see that she was about to she was going to punch right through his heart or like kill him if she punched him or did anything cuz she's like super super strong but then her sister calmed her down and just pushed her aside and we see you know of course we wouldn't do that if we were in a rational uh space um if we can see things straight we we don't we wouldn't act like that we, of course we wouldn't harm anyone we 
we uh, we care for. But in that space where there was so much anger, you could see how very easily in that space of anger, very easily could have done that, then woken up from the anger and being like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Now that happens very often, doesn't it? It's not hitting someone. Often it's not hitting someone, but it's saying something, you know, like a snark remark even, or even some, you know, something hurtful. Every time we do something hurtful or say something hurtful, it's really coming from a place of resentment and coming... I mean, how can we say something hurtful if it's not coming from a place of resentment? If it was, if it was from love, we can't say anything hurtful um, because we have no interest in it. It doesn't happen. But when anger arises, even if there's someone we love or even someone we respect, we will find that we slip and say something. But it's not really slipping because how can we help but say that? And we can see this when we understand that anger wipes out rationality and reason. In a sudden onset, in the conditionality, in the in, under the conditions of that anger arising, and what happens when anger arises? It blurs perception and anger. We see everything, and we, when we're angry, we see an infuriating world. And so, as that anger arises, we see infuriating world that justifies a very angry response, and we in that space, can very easily and often do, um, do things that we later regret, or say things, or make choices that we later regret. And this way we can see that we all have this, first of all. We all have this, we all go through it. I mean, who doesn't have anything to regret? (laughs) think we all have done things like this made choices like this and when we can see it in ourselves for just some honest reflection just what are the things that we that in other words what seemed like a good idea at the time we really saw it that way and then once we chose it we saw oh no that was not a good idea um it only seemed that way and so that comes to the second very critical insight which is Every choice we we make is really limited to our perception of the situation or our perception of the world, our perception, just full stop, how we see things. And yet how we see things and how things seem to us is very often not aligned with the whole truth or even any truth. (laughs) It's very often skewed. And so we make choices that seem like really good choices to us based on how we see the world. And then it turns out that, well, no, it, was, uh, it wasn't. it was But we only see that after, after the choice has been made. In other words, we're really presented with a very difficult situation on Earth. Because, as humans, we can't discern the difference between how things seem and how things truly are. We just th- see things, and that's how they seem to us. But how do we know if that's how they really are? Well, we don't. <laughs> we can't discern that difference. We can just say, this is how things seem to me. I'm not really sure if this is how they are, or if it's at all even close to the reality of the situation. But this is how I perceive it. And then we make choices from points of perception. And then after making the choice, only after do we learn the consequences of that choice. So maybe going into making a choice, we have a certain idea. This is what's going to happen. Maybe we don't have an idea. Maybe we have a certain sense of it. Maybe we don't think about it at all. But we make this choice based on how we see things. And then 
after we see the con- after the choice is made, only after do we then see, do we witness the consequences of the choice, and then then do we learn whether we whether our ideas, our beliefs, our perception was at all accurate. Only after the choice is made, and I think this is a critical point that allows uh, allows that forgiveness automatically to arise. Is just seeing this. That everyone is just making the best choices that they can based on the world that they see. And after the choices are made, only after the choices are made, can we, any of us, see the consequences of our choices. I mean, that's obvious, but it's important. That only after making a choice can we see the consequences of a choice. And so we often find ourselves regretting choices that we make because we find out, if we're lucky, we see the error in our ways. Or if we're less fortunate, we don't. And we go on making silly choices that don't benefit us or don't benefit us as much as, as, much as we could and don't benefit those around us as much as they could those choices because you see the choice to be loving is is the most selfish choice you can make it's the most selfish choice because it's it's, it it's the one that feels the best it's the one that is most aligned with life when you're making loving choices all the time kind compassionate you're coming from a place of win-win-win which means you, you can't lose in the long run you can't lose maybe you make some mistakes and boo-boos but you don't make enemies, you can't lose, and so overall it's a win-win-win. But when you're making self, selfish or choices that don't benefit everyone, choices that are not loving, that are void of love and kindness, well then, by their nature, they're win-win-lose choices. It seems like you're winning. So maybe we get the things that we want in the short run, but in the long run, we don't have... I mean, how can you live in peace when you have enemies? <laughs> how can you live in peace when without, uh, when we're rude to everyone we meet? And, uh, you know, you can kind of get a sense of it. So choosing loving choices, kind choices that benefit all of life, well, when we choose for the benefit, for the highest good. The highest good includes us. Therefore, win, 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 win. And thus it is the most selfish choice. Selfish can be replaced by wise. It has the most benefit for us, is perhaps a more accurate way of saying that. So, that's why I'm saying, if we're less fortunate, only if we're less fortunate do we make choices that don't benefit all of life as much as they could. And if we are fortunate, we learn from our mistakes and correct our choices, our future choice making. And I think seeing it that way is very, very helpful. Very helpful. Because we have this idea that that's what they should have done or that's what we should have done in the past. And yet the reality of it is that didn't, that choice wasn't made. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that Simply put, if that choice could have been made at that under those conditions, 
And what is conditions? Conditions include how things were seen. And that's really the critical factor is perception. The point of perception that person or we were coming from at that time is, is the condition. That's the critical condition. Because, of course, our perception over time changes. How we see things changes over time. So we can't, we can't miscontextualize or we, if we take it out of context, then it becomes a fallacy because we say, I should have done that or they should have done this differently. But the truth is, if, if we should have, if they could have, then we would have. If we saw things that way, obviously we would have made that choice. If we saw the clear best choice for all, we would have made it. But that's not how we saw things. Think of it this way. If you could see, uh, someone asked me what's the best superpower recently, or if I could have a superpower, what would it be? And I answered, omniscience, knowing everything. Because when we, in other words, knowing the consequence of every choice before it is made. Just omniscience, not as an intellectual, just as a knowingness. Because if if omniscience is present, if we knew the consequence of every choice before the choice is made, then it is impossible to make mistakes. And one would always be making the best choices for oneself and all of life. And oneself is included in all of life, so therefore the choices for the highest good would always be made. No errors are possible. No suffering is possible. And that will be it. And so then we come to the reality that the human situation, the human um, predicament is that we're not omniscient and we don't know everything and we don't really know much at all. Uh, And we can only see things from a very limited point of view unless we actively seek to expand our consciousness, that is expand our perception until we see the whole which is really what expanding, another way of saying what expanding consciousness is, right? Is we're expanding our awareness until our awareness encompasses the whole, until nothing escapes awareness. All is included. Uh, that's how I see it, at least at this moment. <laughs> so if I make, if something changes in the future, then I can say, well, that's how I saw things in that moment, and that is what I'm saying right now. Anyway, <laughs> the, the reason I say that is to, to further this point that if we understand this, we can automatically forgiveness arises because we see things, you know, if we say they should have done that or we should have done that, who, what are we, who are we to say that? We're saying that after seeing the consequences of the choices, we're saying that from the position of hindsight, but at the time of making the decision, we Neither we nor any human has hindsight because hindsight comes after the choice is made. And so we haven't seen the consequence of the choice yet. And so really, it's just a guess. It's just at best a guess. <laughs> uh, we, we might have an idea. We might have seen how so these choices, maybe we've made similar choices in the past and we can kind of presume that these the similar consequences would occur. But the trouble is, that context is what is what this all depends on you know in a certain situation a choice might be great but that same choice in a different situation might be absolutely stupid you know let, let me give an example let's say that 
Okay, let's th throwing down our arms and not fighting or something like that. Maybe in one situation that disarms the whole conflict and everyone goes home happy and everyone lives. Great. But then in another situation, if you threw down your arms and those people, they're running into your village and they want to kill everyone in that village, you threw down your arms. Well, before you would have saved your family. Now everyone's dead and they're just going to keep on killing. Yeah, all the other villages. So in that situation, in that context, throwing down arms is a very a silly error and an error that cost lives. So, of course, every choice, whether it's a good choice or a bad choice, depends on context, and context is ever-changing. Ever-changing context. Because, of course, life is evolutionary in nature. So what was a great choice back then, who knows if it's a good choice now. At most, we have our ideas, we have our beliefs, we have our uh, perceptions, our perspectives. But only after making the choice can we see the consequences, the true consequences of that um, of that choice and how it aligns with our beliefs about it. Let me give you another example. So today, had niece and nephew over. You know, our whole family came over. And, you know, I thought it would be a good idea when Etan, which is my uh, nephew, when Etan would cry, I thought it would be a good idea for me to cry, like, uh, for me to just cry, but then, when I did it, to, so, to make fun of his crying, basically, by crying, <laughs> I thought that would de-escalate the situation, <laughs> um, I was wrong, I was very wrong, because uh, what happened was, I did that, and he cried even more, and what was a small cry turned into a big cry, and I think I hurt his feelings. And I learned from that. It didn't feel very good uh, to hurt the feelings of my nephew. <laughs> Did not feel very good. So I learned from that mistake. And I, I even said, I said, well, okay, lesson learned. Uh, crying does not de-escalate. Making fun of a child crying by crying does not de-escalate the situation. And so I learned. And so hopefully, uh, which brings me to another point. Hopefully, I won't make that choice again. I don't think I will. Um, lesson learned. Which brings to the other point is that really, even after we make a choice and we see the consequence, it's not certain that we're going to learn and choose differently next time. That's not certain. So, the most we can do is do our best to learn from it, to see what happened, and reflect on our choice, you know. For me, this happened automatically. I mean, reflect on the choice. What does that mean? You see the consequence, you just get it. You either get it or you don't. The getting it happens in an instant. In an instant, I got, okay, making fun of a child crying by crying is, is, does not help anything uh, and is not very nice. I got it very quickly. But very often, we don't get it. We don't get it. And we make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And so we can pray, we can hope that we will learn we will get it, we'll get the mistakes, we'll pick it up and cease making that same mistake again. And of course, this is inclusive, which is the great thing about this. We all make mistakes, that's part of the human condition. In fact, it's a, it's a, it's a certainty. <laughs> it's a certainty that we make mistakes. Why? Because of this limitation, this innate limitation. That we can't tell the difference between how things seem, what we believe them to be, and the truth of it. We can't. There isn't a way. There isn't a way 
that is without the map of consciousness, which is the only way, which is if you have something in mind, hold it in mind, muscle test it. If it goes strong, it is true. If it goes weak, it is not true. It is lacking truth. Or it is, in other words, if you hold it in mind, arm grows strong, it's life supportive. If you hold it in mind, arm grows weak, it is uh, life consuming. That's the only way. The only objective way to verify the the truth or falsehood or lack of truth of anything in the history of humanity. That's the only way. And that's only recently become available to us. And most people don't know about it. I'm sure many people here won't know about it. And again, I've, I've said it in past ones, and I'll say it again, uh, that you can look into the source to learn about that, which is David R. Hawking's presents that in the book Power vs. Force. In all his other books, he also presents it. There's an audible thing called Map of Consciousness in which he explains it. If you look into David Hawking's, you'll sooner or later become quite familiar with this stuff. And if you'd like to learn about it, the science, what it is, what the hell is this dude talking about, what is this muscle test, that's the place to look. I won't explain it here, because quite frankly, my understanding is quite limited compared to David Hawking's. And I don't want to confuse you any further. So, that's that. And now if we go back to the thingy, majiggy, that we were talking about. When we see when we see this, it becomes progressively more difficult to say, should have, that I should have done that. Instead, what happens is now we can reflect. We can say, okay, I saw things that way and that's the choice that was made. And now I see things differently and now I'll hope and pray that I'll make a different choice. We apply that to ourselves, which means we have to apply it to others. Okay, that person made that choice. And that's how they saw things. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made that choice. It's very simple. If we saw things differently, if we saw a better choice to be made at that time, that was apparent to us within our field of awareness, then we would have made it. We would have chosen it. But we didn't, and therefore it wasn't there. So really to say should have is a hypothetical, didn't exist. Should have, could have, would have. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not a reality. Deal with what is, not what is not. And you will be very happy and very content with life. As soon as you start dealing with what is not, you'll start suffering. Uh, just go, going into the hypotheticals is just not helpful. It's not helpful at all. And if we just notice that, then we'll be a lot happier and be able to forgive people automatically. You know, like if someone does something, there's not even a forgiveness there. Because as you start seeing this, what you see now, what you might notice is that innately there's the innocence of consciousness which doesn't is not the, the the innate innocence of every human is this quality that is not able to discern between what is true and what is not true so what is believed and what is the truth and thus it's highly programmable and highly conditionable and that's what makes the choices and so instead of seeing someone who hurt us we see or someone who made a bad choice we see a or what even what we see as a bad choice now we can see that there is an innocence that was conditioned, that is through experiences, through what, through the culture, to see things in a certain way. And that is, we're not blaming anyone, we're just saying that conditioning is a uh, key factor. Of course, the other key factor is what we could call the innate biases of perception or the innate. If we're talking about the map of consciousness, actually, so 
it will be the level of consciousness of that individual combined with environmental factors like conditioning led to that uh, that that human seeing things that way at that time and making that choice and we can see that the innocence can't help but make that choice otherwise it would make a different choice the innocence can't help but see things the way it sees things we can't help but see things the way we see things and so that is the innate innocence of every human being is that every human being from their point of perception sees things as they see things and can't help but see things that way or else they'd see it differently and that when we recognize this in ourselves we recognize it in others when we recognize it in others we recognize it in ourselves and when we recognize it now forgiveness comes naturally even in bad mistakes whatever it was a bad mistake bad mistake what supplicates this forgiveness even more is is karma is an understanding even just a rudimentary understanding of karma or goes around comes around or that in other words we are responsible for every choice for the consequences of every choice that we make and therefore when these cho really bad choices are made the the one that chooses is responsible for the consequence and yet we can also see at the same time that they really couldn't help but see things that way and therefore make that choice and so now we found ourselves from a position of resentment now we have greater compassion for that individual even if it was a huge mistake we'll see and we'll be like wow like that is a that karma of that and yet at the same time they couldn't see things differently and when you see that when you recognize that can't help but just have compassion for the human condition for every single human going through this unable to discern the truth between what is seen unable to really help the choices that are made at the time or else a different choice would be made and yet at the same time always able to learn from the past always able to learn from mistakes if the willingness is there, if the ripeness is there, if karmic conditions are favorable to that. And so we see that as we start to understand this automatically, I mean, hopefully, can start to see all those, any resentments that are there very differently in the light of compassion. Because the light of compassion is just the light of understanding. If you understand things, the more, the greater the understanding the greater the compassion automatically. It's not something you have to force. You don't have to make yourself compassionate. You don't have to make yourself forgive. Instead, it's a lot more fruitful to ask, what am I not seeing? Or how would the how would I see this in the light of forgiveness? What does that look like? What what am I missing? What am I not understanding? What's what am I not seeing? What's the deeper level? What's the essence of this? And so in this way, the direct route to forgiveness is just to pray or to align yourself with understanding and always seeking to greater uh, to expand in our understanding of truth and in doing so automatically forgiveness is just an automatic consequence and we don't have to make ourselves forgive anyone because we can recognize that if we see that there's something to forgive, we're seeing it in error. We're not seeing a complete picture. We're not seeing it in a total understanding. Because if we saw things in a total and complete understanding, we would see that there is nothing to forgive. That all 
merely is, that life is evolutionary, consciousness is evolutionary, and very bad choices have been made for most of humanity. That is, choices with heavy consequences have been made for most of the history of humanity. And it's really a miracle that any of us can make loving, kind uh, choices that benefit all of us. It's quite a miracle that that is the case. And as we get in touch with that, uh, it's a lot easier to be gentle. It's very automatic to be gentle with ourselves, to be gentle with others, and to also take into consideration, very key consideration, is the context, which means... What were the conditions under which the choice was made? That is the critical factor to understand that. Not just the external environment, but the what's important is the consciousness level of the individual. What were the predominant feeling states? Was there an overwhelm of a certain emotion? And as we understand this, we then can't help but accept and forgive whatever the choice is, because we see how else could it be, even if it's a really bad choice. So that's it. Just seek to understand, and automatically all will be forgiven sooner or later. I mean, that's pretty cool. And that's pretty nice. And that is how we can let go of the obstacles to us being our most loving self, our most joyous self, our most happy self, living in peace. Because, of course, when when there's a complete understanding, then there is just total peace. And the greater the understanding, the, the more space there is for peace to just come in. Because when we understand something, we don't judge it. We just see it for what it is and have compassion for it, and that's all. There is no judgment in understanding. There's a good quote. He who understands does not judge. He who judges does not understand. And that is the case, to just ever keep increasing in understanding, expanding in understanding, which is an alignment. It's a choice. Something arises, and instead of judging it, instead of resenting it, instead of resenting that we resent it, to just ask, what is the truth of this? And follow that thread wherever it leads. And that does take courage, and that does take a great willingness and commitment that, speaking frankly, most of the world does not have, or else most of the world wouldn't be in conflict. <laughs> uh not just external conflicts, I'm not just talking about warfare or fighting, I'm talking about inner conflicts. The greater the understanding, the, the, the less room there is for these internal conflicts and the more peace there is until eventually there is only peace. And the reason that is a helpful, helpful thing to consider is to consider, uh, is to just be aware of the of where you are. What kind of situation are you dealing with? What are you, what is going on here on Earth? And you'll see that most people are interested in truth. Most people 
we're interested in sticking to the positionalities and the satisfactions of those positionalities, the satisfactions of those opinions, belief systems, and fighting for it and defending it and having opinions about everything. That's just the alignment of most of the world. Most of the world is not, if you say, was well, was the truth of this, um, not going to be very interested. <laughs> so that is said just to understand that that's why it's nice to have some some friends or or even a group, a spiritual group, which is aligned, where you can talk to and we can uh, speak to people all aligned in the same direction. Because you can you can be with the folks who help uplift you, who uplift you and help see things in the light of a higher truth. Because the challenge with being around um especially when there's not a great capacity for discernment, which is most of the time for most of us, the challenge with being around those that are not aligned or aligned differently than with truth um, is that we get programmed and brainwashed really easily and we can easily get swept aside. So that's why there's actually, it's called holy keeping holy company. Is actually very, very valuable. Very valuable. Um, if you don't have any groups, you're, you're always welcome to uh, message me. I do run a meetup group. But wherever you're running this from, whatever city you're in, if you're in a city, there's probably a spiritual group. And you can just sort of explore them and see what which ones resonate with you. Um, and if you have the access to the map of consciousness, I'd calibrate the group first as well, or calibrate a statement such as it is beneficial. It is for my highest good to join this group or to be with this group. Um, and also to be familiar with, with the signs of, of non-integrity because spirituality, you know, we all have ideas of it, but there's plenty of non-integrity, plenty of ego, plenty of cults, plenty of woo, pl- plenty of things that are not beneficial for the highest good uh, within spirituality. So generally, just very quickly, you know, a true spiritual group, you're free to come and go as you please. There's no sign-ups required. There's no fees of entry. Maybe there's no there's no fees of entry, but there might be costs to cover. So maybe they'll ask for you to contribute to covering some costs for running the group. But that's different for if they push you to like pay and sign up and join memberships. There's no ranks in a spiritual group. There's no, there might be facilitators. I'm not sure if there's leaders. I don't think there are leaders. It's more like there are facilitators or people who run it. Everyone's treated equally, of course. No one goes, ooh, ah, at the leader, at the leader's feet like more like a very close friendship and a fondness a group fondness towards everyone uh, there is of course great respect to the teacher if there's a teacher in in charge or who organizes it all there's great respect there's probably quite a lot of devotion and reverence in many of the people but there's no ooh ah uh, no none of that um but most importantly there's no robes there's no kool-aid <laughs> Um, 
these are just some of the characteristics, just to make sure that you don't get sucked into anything that might be aligned elsewhere. And yeah, that's the gen the general one, which can be very um, alluring and can get can I think can get sucked into easily is the whole like um, titles thing. Like there are titles and ranks and levels and all this stuff. That is the sign. Stay away. <laughs> don't go there. Because there are no signs, there are no titles, all are seen as the same. So, those are just some general qualities. And if you, as you start to get familiar with the map of consciousness and with the work of David R. Hawkins, the benefit is that you'll be able to see this for yourself and discern this. And so, the work of Hawkins is great for building up the capacity to discern the truth, now, even without the map of consciousness. It's a great, 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 great benefit that I am very grateful for. So I hope you enjoyed this one and hopefully you just see things differently right now. I mean, you do see things differently than you did at the start. That's a given. The more open, actually, I'll tell you how it works. So I've seen this, I've observed it in my own life and I've also heard Hawking's talk about it. <clears throat> there are two factors that I'm aware of. There's openness and willingness. So the more open and willing someone is, um, or make that three factors, open and willing someone is to seeing things differently because if you hear something if someone hears something and they're not open to seeing things differently then they're they're not going to hear what is being said they're going to hear they're just a justification to refute it uh because of this 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 effect that what you what you're looking for is what you'll find so if you're looking for you know to this guy's a dick you'll be like oh wow that one and i've seen this in, in effect in myself and in also in others so what was i saying that's the first factor openness and willingness and this, these are the factors that influence the transformation of perception and the sinking in of what is being heard so what you know what one thing is being said but then what we're really looking for is the aha moment so what are these three factors that influence the aha moment first factor in my understanding is openness and willingness this to hearing what is being heard to being willing to see things differently the second factor is a karmic propensity a karmic propensity or a spiritual ripeness being ready to hear what is heard sometimes we're not ready and that's fine just like a like a seedling is not ready to you know it's not ready to be a tree when it hasn't been a little little seedling a sapling yet <laughs> you can't you know so that's that's the second factor the third factor is love. Third factor is love. The third factor is trust for what for the person speaking. Um, and if there's, you know, for example, with me and Hawk, or with me for Hawking's, there's just total trust, absolute trust, incredible love. Like it's just Hawking's has my heart. And so, anytime anything is said, it's just there's no barriers. There's no questioning of it. It's just taken as as the truth. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that with me. <laughs> um, not at all. I don't know if that would be wise. <laughs> You'd have to investigate that for yourself. Have a look at the podcast and see who is this dude and what's he saying and what do I think of all this. That'll be pretty pretty cool. To do first, um, but also it might just happen naturally. Maybe have a trustworthy voice 
maybe resonate with me, maybe you don't, I don't know, I don't really care, to be honest, because it's not my problem, I just speak, and however it is, is however it is, grateful for trust, grateful for love, happy with anything, happy with whatever it is, Um, because we can only, of course, you know, what's the point of worrying about things that are not under our control, no point worrying about it at all, I just wanted to present you these three factors so that you understand, you know, how is it that two people or three people or a whole group, they hear the same thing, but one might come out transformed, the other be like, oh, that was a great speech, wasn't it? And the other one would be like, wow, and where were all these differences? Like, what? They were hearing the same thing, they were hearing the same truth, and yet totally differently what came out of it or what sunk in, the transformation that occurred. And so these are the three i think uh, critical factors that i uh, that i see right now as based on my own understanding of hawking's work and my own experiences that contribute to this to this difference and that's just something to consider yeah show you see things however you see things right now that's great enjoy your day thank you for listening and i'll see you in the next one